He was wearing neon holding up a sign He was passing out the peace with two fingers Something we agree on when it's hard to find And that one woman had an Oxford sweater Started seeing Latin somewhere in my mind It said something like the truth knows better Than what you hang your hat on, what you try to hide Trumpet, I was walking by The six was coming just to test my patience Tied up like a puppet running out of time A kid was trying to get his mom to listen She was caught up in an algorithm state of mind He was finding what his mom was missing Hope he tells her all about it on the other side Welcome to Redemption's Table. If you have tuned in on a regular basis, you have heard some music the last couple of months by a singer-songwriter by the name of Jay Lind. Three different times I have highlighted his songs, his music, and I'm super excited because our special guest today is none other than Jay Lind himself. Jay, welcome to Redemption's Table. Hi, thank you for having me, Robert. It's great to meet you. It's good to meet you. Um, and I just asked you a few moments ago, where are you today? So I'm coming at you from uh, Manhattan, New York. So that's the New York, New York okay. part of it. Okay. I have uh, never on the podcast had a New York guest, although I'm working on a second one right now. This is great. Uh, for those listening who may not be familiar with your work, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm from Phoenix. I grew, grew up in um, Phoenix, Arizona was there most of my life. Uh, in college, I went to school in the Northeast, and um, that's where I kind of cut my teeth with songwriting. I played some music with my church growing up, but um, I wanted to play in like the coffee shops in college. So I started to write my, more of my own songs and put them out there more. Um, I was also in a band at that time, but it was actually, I was studying abroad 
during college in the UK. And um, while in Oxford, the town has a real active pub scene, which is kind of like the coffee shop scene. But uh, I started to play songs in the pubs and that's kind of where I cut my teeth, I think really in terms of writing and performing, just playing for you know several nights a week at these pubs where sometimes there'd be two people there and <laughs> just listen to your song. But I, I think that was actually a great way to start. Um, and then I did some recording in Nashville throughout college on and off. And that's what inspired me to move there. So after college, Nashville, and um, most recently, New York. And still still writing songs, still playing songs for anyone who uh, cares to listen. Okay. I first discovered your music through Rabbit Room or maybe Hutch Mute Homebound and also the local show, those things that uh, Rabbit Room highlights, those events. And in 2021, you came out with an album, The Land of Canaan, and they also highlighted it there. And so that's that was my first uh, exposure to your songs. Uh, and so I was curious, you know, how you made that connection. But you you were you said you're in the UK and also Nashville. So, yeah, it was, the Rabbit Room was great because it was, it was super organic for me. I wasn't familiar with the Rabbit Room or their mission. I was just attending a church in Nashville. Um, and I kind of intentionally sought to go to a church that that wouldn't have any kind of status. Nashville's, um, if you've been, it's sort of like Christian Hollywood sometimes. And uh, I, I, I wanted to steer clear of that scene. But uh, a friend of mine at the church, his name is Drew Miller, who wrote a lot for the rabbit room. I didn't know what the rabbit room was. I uh, assumed it had something to do with actual rabbits at one point. But um, <laughs> Drew and I became buds and I would put putting out a record and he heard it and uh, he shared it with the community and, and they were just really welcoming from that point on. And then and I'm connecting with um, uh, Andrew Pearson, who kind of headed it up at one point as well uh, and just made some friendships. Yeah. Drew is another artist that uh, I will be, he's graciously, graciously allowed me to share his music as well. And I haven't started doing that, but the second half of the, of the year, I'll be introducing some of Drew's songs. So I just want to say a few things about your songwriting, because this is something in just listening to your songs, I, I, I've picked up on to write an enigmatic lyric where there is enough truth and enough light inviting on the surface of the song to lead into the mystery of the song is a gift and that's a poet's heart right there. And I pick that up in you, uh, very poetic, enigmatic, but yet when you stop and listen, it's just, you're drawn in. Has that always been your songwriting style? Is that reflective of how God wired you? I, I appreciate that, uh, phrase, or I don't know what you call it. The compliment. Um, I think for me, writing has been, it's been a part of my life a long time, even when I wasn't publishing songs, but I think the lyrics of songs have always been what drew me, which is not in popular listening. I think it tends to be more the sound or the vibe. Uh, for me, those are important, but it's always been the lyric and the story. And so I was drawn to more folk and country music for that reason. At the same time, I, I did read a lot of poetry, especially throughout college. Um, and I was, always most, um, I don't know if the word's impressed, that some people could do, you know, these bands I love, they could draw you in with four people and words and music. The songwriters I love, sometimes they're just them and a guitar, but poets, they don't even have the guitar, they just have words. And so I've always loved that craft and um, I, I engage in it 
regularly. And I, I'm sure that feeds into the way I write songs as well. I want to compare you to someone in that regard, as I've, I've been listening to Rich Mullins for goodness, for almost 40 years. Uh, and I will occasionally listen to a song of his, maybe I've listened to a hundred times and suddenly a lyric just jumps out and I'm like, why have I not chewed on that lyric before or been drawn into that lyric? And your music has the same quality. Um, you know, there's uh, been some, I like, there's a, I, I can't remember the song. I think, uh, where it talks about the monkey heart beating the ancient drum. Is that how the lyric goes? I think that's about it. You might yeah. not, you might be more familiar than me yeah. at this point. Yeah, well, it, it, but it was at first I was like, monkey heart, what's that about? But then I didn't analyze it. But then it's like earlier today when I was re-listening, I was like, it just suddenly hit me. At least a, a, another layer of what I think you were trying to convey in that. And of course, songs not only... You know, the same thing with sermons or any other creative expression. What the author, artist, musician intends may not be what the listener uh, picks up. And it's just amazing how God just orchestrates all that because he's the one that wired us. So how do you plummet such depths? If you and I were divers <laughs> to go from... Uh, to step in a moment from your everyday surroundings out of such depths of songs, you know, in real life. I, and I use the Oxford sweater as an example. Uh, if we were divers, we would get the bends going back and forth between those two areas. And yet it is consistently in your, your work and your music. Yeah, I think for me, um, writing is a form of processing emotions and they tend to be, heavier emotions that I want to process, you know, generally lighter things. Um, I don't, I'm not as inclined to sit with um, in a kind of a sacred space, but when it comes to a lot of what I end up publishing, it, it's because those are things I sit with at the end of the day, or maybe at the beginning of the day. Um, and so I kind of create a space when I write that, that tends to be, you know, candlelit or um, more dark. And that kind of allows me to enter that space before moving throughout the rest of my day. I read in, a, in an article, forgot the publication, when Oxford Sweater came out, you're, you're a candidate for an MD, is that correct? Uh, yes, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see if I actually get there, but I'm, yeah, I'm in medical school currently. Okay, wow, wow. Uh, how far along are you? I'm in my third year, so I'm, this is the part where it really starts to hurt because you're, <laughs> you're always, you're almost living out of the hospital. Oh. Um, so this year I'm playing fewer gigs, but um, putting out a lot of music. And I, it's for me, it's been really, for many years, it's been juggling these two and figuring out how the two can complement each other and work together. Yeah, I, I, I thought about that. I wondered how do you juggle that? You're in a demanding field. Yeah, you know, I was told, um, especially in Nashville, Nashville, this tends, this was my, at least something I heard often, they said, only do music if you can't see yourself doing anything else, you know, emphasizing the intensity of it. And in the medical field, they say the exact same thing, only do medicine if you can't see yourself doing anything else. And obviously that introduces a paradox if you see yourself doing both, because they're telling you both that you well, you can't do either then. And so uh, in some ways... I, I've been uh, I've taken that as a challenge for some time now, and I, I've enjoyed I enjoy that. All right, I appreciate that the 
two vocations also use different sorts of energy lots of times. Um, when I was doing music only, uh, which I go, I go through seasons of only doing the music, especially if I'm touring or so on, something that is more time to make. I found that actually a lot of my day, it wasn't like I just write all day long. I, I have a, I tend to write for an hour or two and then the rest of the day I'm kind of observing. And I guess you could say, um, I think of almost like collecting seashells or something and then seeing if they fit together in any way. Um, but you can do that while you're also doing other things, I think. And medicine is a field that you, you are brought into really close proximity with uh, some of the extremes of the human condition, I think. And so I thought, what better place to spend some of that time? And so in a weird way, part of my journey into medicine was because of the music. I, I want to write about that space. And I think most of my projects to date, even if it's not explicit, there are these themes that come from clinical settings. Yeah. You just released a song, Oxford Sweater. That song, it transports the listener into your walk into the subway. And that's an extra layer of sub uh, of songwriting going on. Same thing with lean, lean Into It. When I first heard that song, it was like that song literally draws you into it, which is what the song is about. But Oxford Sweater did the same thing. You you know, you feel when you when you change to the second verse and suddenly you have these antiphonal trumpets, you know, echoing off in my imagination, you know, subway subway walls. Uh, and then at the very end, you hear the clickety-clack of the subway. That, just, uh, that song is about noticing our world, being in the moment. Feed off of that. Don't let me put words in your mouth. Yeah. I'm just the listener. Uh, you're, you're the creator yeah. of that. Yeah. Well, I think you hinted at, you know, in, in terms of your own art and in terms of crafting sermons, so much of art, my experience, is about being an observer. You know, there is a production side. There's the work of it. But you only have material if you're always listening. And I think, you know, especially as these technologies, you know, these creative technologies and tools keep advancing, which is wonderful. You know, I cut the, the record I have coming out. I cut a, a good amount of it from my tiny apartment in Manhattan without having to go into a big studio or, you know, trade an arm or a leg for some, you know, contract, which is a gift. And even though it's easier in some ways than to create and put your music out than ever before, we are in such a um, attention demanding economy right now where everything, it seems like, especially the more you get into technology, um, especially phones, it's, it's horrifying for me sometimes to look at my screen time, even though a lot of it's, you know, good things. It's connecting with family, friends, what have you, but so many things being for attention. And I think when I moved to New York, you know, coming from the desert, essentially in Arizona, and then ending up in Manhattan, that has already that's been going on here for a long time. And the phones are just another level of it. There's there's things bidding for attention everywhere you go, every step here, including the subway. I mean, it's very explicit in the subway. There's there's performers. There's um, strange interactions. There's everything you could imagine going on. And so this song was partly an ode to. Uh, or I guess maybe a, a, a message to myself to try to stop and focus more. That was a beautiful song. I love the lyric about the mom. She was in an algorithm state of mind and she, the child was trying to get her attention. And you said, uh, 
I hope he tells her all about it on the other side. And I'm like, well, I read into that two things. The other side being the other side of this ride or the other side of eternity where, you know, hey, mom, remember that day? And I was trying to get you to notice this. And, and I just I was like, wow, that's uh, just I've listened to that a lot since it's uh, just released. It's been out about four weeks now. Thereabouts. Yeah. 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 So. Good song, good stuff. I want to ask you a personal question. Uh, I just recently discovered that uh, about a year ago, maybe two years ago, I'm I am a, on the Myers Briggs. I am an INFJ, and of all the things that, you know, the test out there that can tell you about yourself, that I'm 63 now, so I'm 61 when I discovered that, and that just made perfect sense to me when I learned what it was. Um, Enneagram, you know, not so much. I'm all over the place, but. Uh, what are you on the Myers Briggs, or have you ever taken that test or Enneagram, or does that any does that stuff just kind of like eh, whatever? No, I think I think personality. I think those are they're fun. I think they can bring out uh, they can bring things to your attention that weren't um, in your attention before. I think for Myers Briggs, I believe I was an INTJ, but I haven't done it in some time, so I don't know if that's shifted. And then for the Enneagram, I was. It's funny. The first time I heard about the Enneagram, I was particularly skeptical and my friend said oh you're skeptical because you're a five and that's what which was funny you know i was saying you can't put people in boxes and my saying that enabled him to put me in the box but uh i enjoy it and uh i think my my wife thinks i'm a five wing four but i haven't done anything formal yeah what are you i'm four seven or nine you know when i first when i first read that book the road to you by uh ian cron i was like I came away going, well, I'm all these things. <laughs> this makes, you know, I couldn't find myself in a category with that. Uh, so I just kind of say, well, maybe today I'm a four, but I'm a seven on other days. So, like that. Uh, yeah. Do songs come to you in a particular way or is it random and how they land on you? Yeah, I feel like there's a, a few main ways every once in a while everything comes at once and that's always a beautiful moment and those songs tend to be um some of my favorite songs the songs that have come that way more often though it's a bit more work than that um words i can craft but i generally need little anchor points and the anchor points are those seashells you know you collect just observing life you get a little phrase you know something just happened here it is and then you can craft around that the Part that feels actually most out of my control, at least, uh, you know, because I can put in time collecting these seashells. I can put in time crafting words. The part that seems out of my control tends to be actually the melody and the music. That, I just, I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes I wake up in the night and I actually am dreaming of a melody and I I have to record into my phone before it slips away. That tends to be something that just lands um, and is this complicated mixture of all kinds of things I'm receiving throughout my my time i suppose uh, but then once i have all those elements i can usually arrange and move things around until i have something i find uh inspiring i like your analogy because you've used it a few times of seashells are you a beach are you drawn to the beach you know maybe just because i'm from the desert and because <laughs> we would vacation in in the summer as my my mom and dad would try to take us to the beach if we could in california sometimes i actually have a I know that well, podcast, but I have a bunch of seashells that I keep on my desks. Um, I love collecting them, going into the tide pools when I was a kid. Okay. And my, my seashells are in there in a case. 
I don't have a whole lot of them, but yeah, I do the same thing. Just kind of usually walk away with at least one or two in my pocket every time I go to the beach. So, so you were brought up in Arizona. So, uh, and the seashell connection, it kind of reminds me of a George Strait song. Got some oceanfront yeah. property in Arizona. So, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a very popular song in Arizona. I can imagine it is. <laughs> we love a good shout out. <laughs> uh, who are some of the musicians or authors? who have influenced you lyrically and musically? Okay, so some that come to mind right now. Um, lyrically, the band Dawes, um, they're a folk band out of California. Taylor Goldsmith is their main songwriter and front man. They've been uh, important to me as like a contemporary influence. And I think that's because they draw so much on some of the songwriting uh, classics or greats. I grew up, my dad was a huge Bob Dylan fan, so I grew up listening to Bob Dylan. Uh, Leonard Cohen was someone that I found more on my own and and really connected with. So Leonard Cohen might be one of the biggest influences. Chris Christopherson as well, more in the country vein. Uh, and then also more recently, um, the artist Sufjan Stevens, who actually was based in New York for most of his career to date. Um, he's just especially creative and he brings his faith into music in a very atypical way. On the literature writing side, it's hard to think of any single writer who does that. I mean, poetry wise, there's a poet, Jack Gilbert, who uh, probably my favorite um, poet, but at least the one I've read the most. Uh, he's from Pittsburgh, he's passed now. I enjoy Mary Oliver um, when I'm able to get some nature here. Um, yeah, I think those are, those are the big ones. Uh, and um, for literature, maybe Dostoevsky, the Russian writer, I've read most of his work. Um, Viktor Frankl, who's a psychiatrist who's written a lot about meaning and purpose. I think those are some of the... Oh, I, of course, I forgot Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard, I spent a lot of time with Kierkegaard um, the last several years in particular, that Danish theologian, mm -hmm. philosopher type. And he's influenced my thinking quite a bit. And as a result, I think my my songwriting tends to reflect certain themes from him. Yeah. And I'm familiar with most of those authors. Few of theirs, few of the songwriters and, or bands and authors. I'm not, and I like asking that question because if you're a curious person in kind of chase wonder, uh, you know, just, and I kind of tend to be that way. I think wonder is a key factor in life to me. Wonder. It's occasionally I have this thought, Jay, that I'm, uh, there were, you know, it talks about in First Corinthians that we see everything now through a veil darkly or a glass darkly. And there are times when it seems like uh, we're pressed against the veil. I mean, we're just like paper thin, close to breaking into we're in the kingdom now, but just, you know, breaking that veil, pressing there that God is that close. Um, you've released three releases for uh, there's a forthcoming album sometime uh, alchemy alchemy yeah uh. that's right so yeah the al album alchemy is coming out this fall and it's um and we have a couple more more songs we're going to put out ahead of it but uh, i'm very excited about it it's, it's pretty different than projects i've done today or it feels that way to me but i think it's still continuous with what i've been up to all along i'm looking forward to it um so you're working on medical school and releasing new albums and new music and uh, 
I just got a full life. And you're, you've been married four years, five years, something like that. Uh, two years married. I've known okay. Tori for four years. Okay. So yeah, okay. we're young there. Okay. For someone listening who might be attempting to balance their creative expression with their day-to-day life, uh, like you were doing, what advice would you offer them? I would say something in my experience that I've noticed in myself, I tend to be a green is no grass is greener thinker. And that's where a lot of the angst comes from. Uh, it's actually tends not to be as much from people saying, at least not explicitly that these things aren't compatible. Uh, it tends to be more just this thought of, Oh, there's a, there's something better. And I found that when I was doing music full time, I ended up spending a lot of time trying to figure out ways to pay rent or trying doing all the things you need to do just to live. And by the time I, I looked at how many hours I spent doing the things necessary to exist in addition to creative, I recognized, oh, that maybe I can find work that I also find uh, more meaningful than what I'm up to. And on the inverse of that, when I spend all my time in a medical setting, I find myself pining for, oh, if I could just get back to the music. And some music, yes, but like I said, that it seems to be the grass is always going to be greener for me on some level. And so I think if, if there was advice I would give, um, I don't even know if I'd call it advice, but uh, in, enjoy the moments of creativity and the less pressure um, that you can put on yourself, the, the better. Yeah, uh, I find it hard personally to live in the moment. Uh, it's that tension between, you know, I've lived enough years, my book, if, if every page was a book, a, a year was a page, you know, my book is getting heavy in this direction, you know, what's behind me instead of what's in front of me. And I, I reflect back on the past and I'm thinking about the future constantly. And then there's this moment where we are and I have to constantly over and over and over again, pull myself back in the moment. Uh, think that is a, one of the affinities for the song Oxford Sweater. And, and that is such a detailed song too. Oxford Sweater, Neon, Peace, you know, just, uh, just I don't know, well later, layered again. I'm just, I'm still, I'm still marveling in that one, the freshness of it. So, Well, thank you. I, I'm glad you weren't too turned off by the uh, the T-Pain auto-tune auto chorus. I don't know if you notice on the chorus, it's, it's got a different setting on my voice. Part of the fun of, of creating and trying to find new ways to say things. No, I didn't. No, uh, I, I thought, I mean, it was just a, continues to be a breath of fresh air. So, well, man, I'm grateful for our time together and I'm looking forward to what's coming. Uh, on this day in July, what is it like to be you today? On this day in July, what is it like to be me? Well, it's humid in New York, and that's something growing up in the desert I was not used to. So I'm a little sticky today. Um, I'm also restful today because uh, I'm intentional about having a, a period in my week each week that I don't do anything um, work-related. It's just kind of enjoying life and, and uh, collecting seashells. I'm just I'm honored. You, you took the time to on your restful day to... to... Oh, of course. This is fun. Grateful. This, this doesn't count as work. Yeah. Where's the closest place to collect seashells, literally, from where you are? Um, I think there's a 
seafood diner around the corner. If you go in the dumpster, you could probably find some. But <laughs> outside of that, you'll probably have to go to Jersey Shore, I think. Okay. And New York seashells, I think, have mostly been picked over. Okay. Okay. Well, blessings, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to uh, be with us. I'm, I'm grateful for you and uh, grateful for a new friendship. Hope to see you in person live somewhere uh, down the road. So, Likewise, Robert. I appreciate you having me on and appreciate you uh, sharing the music. It means a lot. You're welcome. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to go out with one of your songs. I'm not sure which one. Um, is there a song you'd recommend us to go out on? Um I have a new song coming out. I haven't even told anyone. I have a song coming out this Friday. Um, so you could you could pick the new song if you'd like. It's called Generous. It's about living in New York. Um, otherwise, I also have a song, Oceanside, which I, I made a lot of references to seashells. So maybe that would be a, a fit. That came out a couple months ago. That had already flickered through my mind with you talking about seashells. So we'll see. But again, thank you, sir, for, for gathering with us at the table. For those of you listening, you've been listening to Jay Lind, and we're going out with one of his songs now, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. I swallowed my tongue Oh, but I